Welcome to the Coming Home Well podcast, the show that educates, supports, and advocates for the veteran community. Your host, Dr. Tyler Piron, U.S. Army retired, will bring you exciting conversations with amazing guests about resources, research, and military history, all geared to helping our warriors to come home well. Here's your host, Dr. Tyler Piron. Welcome back to Coming Home Well. I'm your host, Dr. Tyler Piron, and we're going to do something that we haven't done before, but I think it's really important. What do you do when you get older and you need somewhere to live and you can't live at home? You don't have family necessarily, or it might not be the best environment. We've all been through it or seen it with older adults, perhaps in your own family. It's challenging. It's really a challenge of how to sort of plan to do these things. Fortunately, there's a lot of resources out there. And one of the neat ones, it's coming online. It's not quite done yet, but we'll get into all that. It's the Polar Veteran Care Center. And we have its administrator, Brock Bagos, and he's going to tell us all about the requirements and everything to do with, I don't even know what the right Hermes these days, assisted living, senior living. Brock, what in the world do we even call them? <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Specifically, what Polar Veterans Care Center will be is technically a skilled nursing facility. So where there's independent living, assisted living, as you mentioned, this, this is kind of the step beyond that where you need a little bit more than those environments provide. So this would be either long-term care for those who basically need a nurse right around the corner or post-acute rehab for those who've suffered a traumatic event, uh, such as a, a fall with a fracture, stroke, et cetera. And they need that little bit of recovery time before returning back to their previous environment. So, so Polar will be a skilled nursing facility. So I'm not familiar with the terminology. So a skilled nursing facility is like at the top tier of care. Is that how that works? Depending on on perspective. So top tier would be, yes, the most hand-on, the most acute compared to the, the others. So when people think of independent living, it's a little house maybe or a cottage or a large a complex that you would be a member of and you come and go as you please. You have your own vehicle. That's generally the kind of thought process that people have when they think of that environment. Assisted living would be a little bit more of a closed community for those who need help bathing, grooming, dressing, but nothing very heavily beyond that. Maybe maybe help with their medication, some memory, co cognitive impairment, but are pretty much independent from that point forward. Our environment will be for, again, those who who just recently suffered an event that just physically can't get back to either that independent level or even assisted level or just need help getting there or those who just who those who are just need that consistent round the clock 24 hour care. So I the name sort of gives it away the Puller Veteran Care Center. So it's for veterans. What yes, is sir. the criteria that the Puller Veteran Care Center will have for residents? So we are a, I think it's helpful to kind of step back just a little bit and think of who, who we are representing. We're, we're, we're part of the Department of Veteran Services with the Commonwealth of Virginia. So we are a state-run organization, and this is for Virginia veterans. So that means if you've served honorably at either you've entered the service in the state of Virginia, or you are currently a resident of the state of Virginia. So really the number one requirement is to be honorably discharged from the military and reside in Virginia or have entered in the state of Virginia. So that's the criteria. The baseline is that you, you already live in Virginia. 
and you were honorably discharged. That's a lot of people. So that's pretty open category. Yes, sir. And you guys are still building it. It's brand new. It's not even like opened its doors yet. And that's what I think is really neat about talking to you is that, you know, it's coming online. But is this isn't the first care center that the Commonwealth has, is it? Oh, no, sir. This is, this will actually be a fourth if we go in order. The very first one is in Roanoke, Virginia. It's called the Virginia Veterans Care Center. It's in Salem, technically, in Virginia, Roanoke, Virginia. The, there's Sitter and Barfoot, which is in Richmond. The sister facility to ours is called Jones and Cabacoy Veterans Care Center in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And ours is Polar Veterans Care Center, as previously mentioned, in Warrington in part of Parker County. What's really neat about the Jones and Cabacoy as well as Polar, they are identical facilities. Everything is spot on identical, except maybe a little bit on the property side. Um, and it, it's pretty neat to see what our facility will look like. Yes, ours is still an active construction site. So when you walk around it, uh, which I have been fortunate to do a, a few times, it, it, it's really neat to see what that end product is. And I will say the Department of Veteran Service and is has has really thought of everything. They've worked with an architect who has really been, you can tell that they know what they're doing and they've, they've thought of all the things that thus those of us who have been working in long-term care for as long as we have, have hoped and dreamed and wished they had in a facility, really this, this has been brought out to fruition. I'm really excited to share it with our veterans and I'm really excited to share it with our community. You know, that's a really interesting point. You know, I live in a house that's 50 plus years old and we're always making it our own. Now, other previous people have, have done modifications and additions, but there's always that, oh, I wish it had. What are those kind of things that, that make it special? Oh, oof. Um, I hope you have a lot of time because I literally could go on and on about the design features of the, this facility. Well, first and foremost, it is a 128-bed facility, which means it's a total of 100. And you, we can have a max occup occupancy of 128 residents. Every single room is a private room, so there's no sharing with, with anyone. I don't know about you, but the last time I had a roommate other than when I got married was in college. And as we, as our generation, older generation demographics change, they're not wanting those kinds of quarters any longer. What's even nicer is they all have their own bath with walk-in showers, which is very uncommon in the long-term care industry because most of these facilities were built many a long time ago that just, as you mentioned, they've had many, many generations of individuals since then. Um, but, but more importantly than just the living accommodations, the it's 128 total beds, but each section, it's divided into eight total what I call neighborhoods and what we call households. So each neighborhood only has 16 residents, period, the end. And each neighborhood has its own dining area, its own living area, its own common area, and then it has its own courtyard. Well, that's not true. It shares its courtyard with, with the other neighborhood, which is a part of the, the two neighborhoods, which makes the household. And then there's a than total of eight. It's it's kind of hard to describe, and I know I'm doing a very poor job of it. And I apologize. You really have to see it to believe it. No, um, I can picture this, and, and I have a horrible time picturing things when people are describing it. So you're doing a great sure. job. Well, I appreciate that. But but what's really neat about the design element of the neighborhood household, what, what they've come up with, is especially for the population that we will be serving. Disease process potentially will change, and and as we age things change. So the condition that you enter Puller may be different a few months, few years down the line. So the neighborhoods can adjust based on the population. 
So the way they've designed it is, let's say we have some memory care individuals who who have the propensity that they need to they need to stay active. So you we can open doors, close doors based on um, the configuration of the residence. So they we can make it a big loop. We can make it a figure eight. We can make it just we can make it a total lockdown for those who really need the the constant visual care. So they've really thought of how the facility with just minor changes, i.e. doors or, or barriers, can accommodate all different types of progressions of different dementias or memory cares or just different disease processes without having to completely alter the home-like environment which DVS has created here. It's, it's truly wonderful. That's really neat because I've done search and rescue, Alzheimer's and dementia patients, you know, they, they go wander and, and a lot of times they're, you know, it's, it's tragic far too sure. often. And so seeing that built in where you can, you know, provide that, you know, extra care to make sure that they just don't go wandering off. Because uh, literally I've seen where somebody in the middle of the summer, 100 degrees out, was wearing all winter clothes and was, you know, really, sure. really hot when we found him. Fortunately, we was found, he's fine. But it was sort of like, oh, I wonder why. And as you went through all that training, I was like, oh, you really have a lot to think about uh, when right. you're dealing with people with, you know, especially advanced age or other issues. So let's talk a bit, a little bit about, you mentioned the, the disease progression, memory care issues. What percentage is it more of cost? Is it, what is the criteria? I know we talked about the basics of being a veteran. But there's sure. 128 beds. Clearly, there's got to be some differentiation between one person and another. Yes, sir. So it all comes down to need. That's really going to be the biggest factor. So I, I sometimes I have to have conversations with family members of like my insurance gives me unlimited ER visits. Doesn't mean I can just go to the ER instead. You, you have to meet certain. You, you have to have the need to be in this environment. So. You, you have to have the easiest way for me to break it down is, or to at least explain it, it would be you would have to have the need for a licensed nurse or a registered nurse to literally be about 10 steps from your room. So if, if you're just, if you need an apartment place to stay, that this is not going to be that type of environment. You need, you would need a certain level of assistance. So I think it would be also beneficial if I kind of explain the admission process. Um, and 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 quite frankly, it's it's not going to be much different than your average nurse, your privately owned or yeah, privately owned nursing home or skilled nursing facility. So most, let's just be honest, most of our residents will be coming from either the hospital environment or the local VA. Like I had meant to say, they had a slip and fall. The hospital will send us a packet of information. It will be reviewed by our clinical team, which would consist of. Um, the director of nursing, for example, physician potentially, depending on the clinical capabilities, and it, it will be reviewed to make sure, first and foremost, we can take care of their needs. That's the most important thing. It doesn't do anyone any good if we accept someone that we just can't take care of. Now, fortunately, those are few, very few and far between. The second thing is, do they meet the level of care? Because it, if it doesn't, nobody any good if, let's say, your insurance you come to us and your insurance won't cover it because there you can do this at a lower level here at an assisted living at an independent or you can heck you can do this at home there's no reason so we're going to check with whatever your insurances are to make sure that they agree with our assessment that you meet that level of care and then it kind of goes on from there medications etc cetera, etc cetera, to make sure we can we can we can have access to all the things that that person needs for us to take care of them. does that 
No, that makes perfect sense. Okay. I, I was also thinking, you know, there's 128 beds. This is the fourth su- such type center. Sure. But there's millions of veterans here in the Commonwealth. Yes, sir. So that's that is sort of getting at the other half. Of the question is, OK, here's all the things you need to make sure that it's an appropriate fit. But I bet right. the need is far exceeds the supply. Oh, I, I would imagine so. I was so happy when these facilities were being built, both in in, in Virginia Beach and up north here in, in Warrington. So happy first, because first and foremost to see it being built out in the Tidewater area. Obviously, a much heavier concentration of our veteran community as well as active community in that area. So I was very happy to see that. So yes, there is a tremendous need in both areas, and I'm where we're excited to serve that, these populations. But on the flip side, we're also getting a lot of interest from individuals who are thinking we are going to be something that we're not. So they think we're the VA as an example. So they're looking so so they don't have to drive to DC or West Virginia to get their medications at the VA. Unfortunately, we will not be able to provide those services. I get a lot of phone calls about veterans who are suffering suffering from mental health crises. Unfortunately, those are those are services we will not, we are not providing. So there there is a lot of demand and unfortunately, I, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very fortunate to be on this program because it's helping to get the information of what we can do and what we are looking to do. I, I don't know if that answers the question, but yes, there is a lot of demand, but uh, not all of it will be able to accommodate from that. Absolutely. Side. No, I was just sort of, I, I am not old enough to have dealt with this. And, and so I'm learning a lot. You know, you can do all the research in the world, but talking to experts and people that are actually involved with long-term care, because, you know, you pay for uh, some people, long-term care insurance, because it's very sure. expensive. It's very difficult. And, and it's one of those end-of-life type things that nobody wants to talk about. And so I was like, you know, this is a great topic, a great thing that's happening. New centers being built. Let's let's sort of figure out how this all works. Right. So you mentioned insurance. Now, this is yes, a sir. state agency. It's not the Veterans Affairs. So it's not a federal thing. But how does that work with, you know, uh, people's insurance or TRICARE or VA care? How does that all work? I'm so glad we're talking about this because I am going to do my absolute best to make sure I can accommodate as many veterans as possible. So yes, we are catering specifically to veterans. However, we do not want to make it exclusive to only those who um, have a certain VA benefit. As a veteran myself, I can look at another veteran. I can pretty much automatically tell you that my, my benefits are going to be different than theirs. And so we want to be as accommodating as possible. So we will be duly certified, which means we will also accept Medicare and Medicaid. And I am going to, I'm going to try to accept as many insurances as possible as well, whether that's a Humana, Anthem, et cetera, um, to be as inclusive as possible. And the reason being is this, not everyone is going to be hundred percent service connected with, with either an injury or disability, et cetera. And at some point, unless you're one of these Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates, everyone is going to need some help. Everyone is going to run out of funds. And that's why I also want to make sure we're accepting Medicare and Medicaid, because at some point, everybody will need some assistance. So if if I can accept that veteran who only has Medicaid or has a combination of or only has Humana, I want to be able to do it. Um, the flip side is we have to then cater to what those insurances requirements are, needs are, et cetera. And I can literally sit here and talk all day about... <laughs> The humanas of the world, not just to pick on humanas versus the Medicare's of the world, but et cetera, et cetera. But I'm pretty sure 
And they all have different requirements and different (laughs) costs and different benefits. And and, and that's got to be very difficult from an administrative side. How do I provide services across the gamut when you have all these different funding sources that are reimbursement? It's very difficult and extremely time consuming. You need an army of people just to keep track of who has who and whose services end at what date. And it is very, it gets very convoluted sometimes. That's another whole conversation we can have about <laughs> one payer systems. And, but yeah, that's, that's an important thing. So this is not necessarily, Hey, you're a veteran. This is totally free. It's correct. Hey, there is a cost associated. It's run by the state. So you know that it's going to have really good service. Our department of veteran services does a wonderful job here in the Commonwealth of taking care of veterans. I know a lot of folks, they're like, oh, this state has this, this state has that. Uh, The Commonwealth has some really wonderful programs here in Virginia to take care of veterans. This is just another one of them. So we've talked about what you do and where you're going to be. It's still under construction. So probably in this year, maybe next year, by the time everything gets fitted out and everything ready. I'm not going to hold you to it because I know how construction is. But this is something if you're a veteran or if You have a family member that may be getting a little bit older, needs a bit more care than they can have at home where they need a nurse or or that kind of skilled assistance. This is something to think about. This is one of four, but this is the first one that's up in the central northern Virginia area. The other ones are out in Roanoke or down in the Tidewater area. So they're trying to spread it around. We have a lot of veterans up in northern Virginia. So that's definitely a, a something to think about. What is it that Everybody should know about the Polar Veteran Care Center or more broadly about veteran care centers here in the Commonwealth. I I think that's an excellent question. What I would like people to at least think of and take away with them, either with this conversation or once they have an opportunity to come out and see us, is we are looking at the needs of our veterans who are at a certain stage of life that needs that certain level of care. And we are stepping up and we are giving them absolutely the 100% best that we can give them. I have been in long-term care for going on 12 plus 13 years. Um, and I have never worked for grant an organization that has just been let whatever it takes to take care of the veteran. A lot of people have different experiences when it comes to veterans and their treatment with, with services, et cetera. But as the administrator, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make sure that we're taking the absolute best care of our veterans, the ones who have given everything that's time for us to give back. So I, I honestly, that, that's what I want you to think about. A lot of people have had experiences with nursing homes and rehab facilities, and I want to be able to change that, that stigma with this experience. So what is some of the difference between private places, and you don't have to say any by name or anything, and state-run veteran care services? I was thinking about it. I said, I was thinking to myself, you know, there's a lot of them out there, and, and there must be difficult to run because we have a great one near us, and it's just a nice sure. facility, but they're shutting down. And so I was like, wonder why? You know, I, I don't know enough about the way they operate. I have worked in the public sector for... Well, my entire career in long-term care up until going on eight months now that that I work for DVS. So I, 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 it is a very difficult, for lack of a better term, industry to be in. It is looked down upon by a lot of people. When people think nursing homes, they generally don't have a very good opinion. But I, I will say they do darn good work. They do darn good. They they take care of. They're there to take care of people when when people need to be taken care of, and there's no one there to take care of them. the. 
and I don't mean to get on a soapbox and talk about the regulations and all these things, but no, it, that's it very important good... stuff. I mean, uh, you're in <laughs> um, the service. I was in the service. You live and die by regulations and, uh, and rules and difficulties getting around things. It is, it is a heavily, heavily regulated industry. Let's just be, let's just call it. It is what it is. There's an old adage that there's more regulations than nuclear power for nursing homes. And, and quite frankly, that, that, that can be true. And we, they are held to a standard that is sometimes impossible to, to. And quite frankly, people can't be in the business, business for lack of a better word, because it is so difficult. And the, the fines are, are substantial when, when you're found in non-compliant. I'll never forget, I got a widespread infection control tag on one of my surveys for a volunteer leaving an ice scoop in an ice bucket. And that is an infection control tag widespread, something as simple as that. But when people read those things, it sounds way worse than it actually is. Everyone's gone to a picnic and does, does the same exact thing. So we, we are up against the same exact challenges. However, we will have, I'm putting a team together to be able to combat those challenges as much as possible, but we're not going to be perfect. We, we are going to put every process in place to make sure we can do it and do it right. But it all comes down to how good did you look that day? Well, it's like many things. You could be 99.99% perfect, but the 0.01% where something wasn't quite right, that's what you hear about on the news or sure. wherever. And, and that makes perfect sense. But you know, just sure. like anything, I've had great, great care with the Veterans Affairs. I've had the same doctor for 10 years. I also have a doctor at UVA that changes every year and a half. So like I have my VA doctor who knows me and and knows what's going on and everything's, you know, and then I have a primary care doctor at UVA here in Charlottesville every year and a half, two years, it's a new one. And you start all over. So I hear all the stories about bad care and my wife, who's also a veteran, was saying, you know, I should probably get Veterans Affairs care because like it's so consistent and so easy because they thought about these things that are easier for veterans. And so they're providing that that unique type right. of perspective that's just not available elsewhere. And I think that's one of the neat things about how you're organizing the Polar Veteran Care Center into neighborhoods and in be able to interact, but then also make sure that people are safe and providing that environment where you can control things, especially with memory and, and dementia and Alzheimer's and those horrible, horrible diseases as they progress. It gets really challenging. Yes, so sir. what should I have asked you about, but haven't? Bear with us. I, I've been fielding questions since, since I've come on board again about eight months ago of when we're going to open and I've given multiple dates. And unfortunately, those dates have turned out to be wrong. We live in a very different world currently, whether it's whether it's supplies, we're unable to, you know, supply chain issues or staffing issues or, or what have you. The entire world is very different than just two, three years ago. So just bear with us. What I also need everyone to remember is even if I were to be able to get in that build in, in our building and start the opening process tomorrow, we are still looking easily three to six months before I could even take the first resident. There is an entire process of being able to accept residents. There's a licensure process, the certification process, there's a VA certification process, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that will take months and months. I also will not be able to take everybody all at once, of course. I have to staff up for that. And I may not be able to accept a specific veteran that has specific needs until I have an entire neighborhood that can dedicated of staff and residents of those specific needs. So I guess really the 
that was a long way of saying, just bear with me. It is not going to be a quick, easy process. Once the building's built, that doesn't mean the door is open and everyone can come in. So just please. Well, it's just like when you're building a house in a neighborhood, you see it go on, you see the siding, you see the roof. You're like, oh, it's done. But you still have the plumbing and electrician and the tile and the floors and all those things, which take way more time than the shell, which I imagine is very similar. You have to get the beds and furniture and medical stuff. And then you have to get all the right people. It's it's not an easy process. I've done construction right. stuff. It's always waiting on the next sub for this or that. And there's a lot that goes into these things. So I'm not pushing. I, I just think it's really neat how to, before it's even finished, learn about it. Make sure folks that are listening know that, hey, that there's three other centers. Well, two right now, two more coming. It's out there. And there are going to be great places for veterans. That's one of the neat things with veterans is that if you get them together, all of a sudden there's that camaraderie, regardless of, of generation or era or combat or not combat, it really doesn't matter. And I, I would imagine that the outcomes are a bit better when you have a bunch of veterans able to, to interact and, and talk and reminisce. And, and you know what? That is the plan. It's it's to to get people who, who have similar similar memories, lifestyles, situations. There's going to be a lot of that. Well, I hope there's going to be a lot of that army versus air force versus, you know, camaraderie. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm hoping to get a bunch of like-minded individuals and non-like-minded individuals together for the best quality lifestyle as, as can be. Um, now you're a veteran and you were in the national guard. Is that right? Virginia army national guard. Yes, sir. Oh, that's pretty awesome. So you served for a few years and, and what was your service like? Um, I served for eight years. My final duty station was actually out at Fort Pickett doing logistics, ranges, barracks, et cetera. I really enjoyed my time. It was an experience that I I, I I wouldn't trade for anything else. I actually joined late in my career. I joined when I was 30 years old and it was something that I always wanted to do. And I'm glad I did it. And I was happy and I'm, I'm happy I did. Well, I think that's pretty awesome. We have a veteran that's going to be running the newest, uh, the Veteran Care Center, the Puller Veteran Care Center. Now, that name, let's just bring back a little bit. Puller, is that in relation to anybody? Uh, <laughs> yes, sir, of course. So it's actually in relation to three somebodies, which is very exciting. So Chesty Puller, uh, of course, the most decorated Marine in, in U.S. history, as well as his son, Louis Puller, and his wife, Toddy who is one of our Virginia legislators, who's actually responsible for a, a lot of veteran legislation, including the, the to be able to get these two new centers funded and constructed. So we're, we're very excited. I'm very excited to represent the, the Puller name and legacy when I go to work every day. So it's, it's quite an honor. And again, I, I'm not a Marine, but it's still quite an honor to represent that legacy. It's always amazing to hear the stories and, and the, the books that have been written about Chesty and his son. It's named after all three of them. I think that's a great legacy to have, and knowing that our, our native sons here from Virginia, Steve Puller is from West Point, Virginia, but then joined the Marines. I don't get that, but that's another <laughs> whole story. We've been talking with Brock Bakos. He's the administrator of the new, coming on soon, maybe next year, by the time finally operating, of the Puller Veteran Care Center. It'll be up in Warrington. If you're at all interested, go up on the DVS website, go search, and we'll have a link on the Coming Home Well Facebook page for you to get more information about all the veteran care centers. 
But again, this is part of the Department of Veteran Services, and we've had a bunch of folks from DVS on. Thank you so much for joining us on Coming Home Well. Brock, thank you so much, and I'm really looking forward to learning a bit more once you get open and see how all these plans come into fruition. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for joining us this week on Coming Home Well with Dr. Tyler Pieron. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. Follow us on Instagram at comminghomewell underscore BTS or on Twitter at comminghomewell. Thanks again. And until all are home and all are well, this is Coming Home Well.